Thank you very much. Thank you for your very warm welcome. Hello, everyone here at uh, Kingsgate here in Peterborough. Everyone at Pete, um, Cambridge, Leicester, and everyone watching online, wherever you are, welcome to church today. It's such a pleasure for us to be able to gather together again today. Wow, it's been a wonderful series we've been going through, looking at our Lord Jesus as we gather around the table and just seeing his heart for celebration and teaching and fellowship and missions at mealtimes. It's just been absolutely fantastic. And, you know, speaking about mealtimes, I grew up in a culture where every gathering had to have good food, no matter how small or big. Um, I have a picture of family. Uh, I wanted to just show you. Yeah, that's myself and my husband, Maya, and our four-year-old Fiji with our in-laws. And it's just the five of us, but good enough to have some Nigerian fried rice and chicken and salads and all of that. So, well, <laughs> there's no undermining the fact that a good celebration comes with good food. And so we're still talking about meals and our Lord Jesus. And, you know, we're going to be looking at a fascinating meal that the Lord shared with his disciples. And it's actually called the Last Supper. So you might be very familiar with the communion. And actually, that's what it's linked to, the Last Supper. And today, we're going to be exploring what that meal meant for them and what it means for us now. You know, and... There's something so intense about this meal that even Jesus said to his disciples, look, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this meal. I can't wait to have it with you. Luke 22:15 15 reads, then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So there's something poignant, there's something key that the Lord is wanting to express passionately. And that's what we're going to be looking at because today we're, we're bringing to remembrance this significant and the importance of what this meal stood for. You know, this meal was going to mean something significant for, for not just the disciples, but for all humanity and for all times. So I thought for us to really grasp what was going to happen or what was happening, we, have to, we had to sort of go back in time to see what, what was the origin of the Last Supper? What was it about? What was happening really? You see, that meal was a festival, it was a celebration that the Israelites celebrated every year, and it was called the Passover meal. So Jesus was actually having Passover with his disciples. And if you recall, going back in time, when the Israelites were in Egypt, they were slaves there, they were held captive there. And on the, the night before they were going to be set free, God called Moses and said, you know, Moses, I need you to tell my people to get a lamb for every family, a lamb without spot, a lamb without blemish. I want you to kill that lamb, take the blood, put it on the two side posts of the, the door of the home and the upper post of the door. And I want them to eat the lamb along with unleavened bread. Now, this was going to mean for the Israelites at that time that when judgment was going to hit that land, because of the blood, he said, I'll be able to pass over you. So we see that at that time, the blood from that spotless, blemish-free lamb was going to mean for them deliverance from death and freedom from captivity. And now that's so important because that was going to mean something for all of us even now. But before we leave the event of the Passover, the actual Passover, there was something else that happened, and we're going to need to draw from that as we explore what the Last Supper means for us. Now, they leave Egypt and they're free, but God says, look, you can't afford to forget what just happened. I need this 
the storyline, the theme of what just happened. I need this to be passed on from generation to generation. It cannot be forgotten. I need you to remember. I need you to put this in memory. I need you to recall. And you know what he goes on to do in Exodus 13, 8 to 9? He says, and you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. And it shall be to you as a sign on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes, that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this statute at its appointed time from year to year. So you can see it's like it's at, it's at the core of his heart. It's at the center of his heart that they don't forget how mightily he set them free. You know, and we can almost draw something from that. I don't know about you, but sometimes when you go through certain challenges, certain scenarios in life, and you're beginning to feel overwhelmed, when you think back to how big God was for you in the past, and how he set you free, and how he came through for you, you can, you can almost recall and say, yes, you're, that, you're the same God, and the, the God that was big for me in the past will be big for me now. So we can see he didn't want them to forget. But there was something else. He didn't want them to, to forget what it stood for. And so he said, do this every year. And that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. They were celebrating the Passover. Do this every year to remember, to bring to memory. There's something powerful about memory. There's something powerful about when we remember. It's, most, it's almost like you can say that when you recall, when you remember, your faith is stirred up. Your faith is stirred up. You know, there's an American educator um, called Edgar Dale who described what... He, 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 he called the cone of experience. And he was speaking about memory. And I'm very fascinated about memory because in my studies in neuroscience, I, I have seen the effect and the influence of what happens when you bring to the forefront information. Because what you forget loses its influence over you. It's almost like you lose, you lose touch with the reality of it. But what you bring to the, your, your forefront, to the forefront of your mind, does have significant influence on your expectations, on your experience of reality, on your actions, and your overall life experience. So it's so key that you recall what is vital for you. And so we see that this ed American educator, Edgar Dale, uh, described this cone of experience, and he says, you know, we remember 10% of what we read. 20% of what we hear, 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 70% of what we say and write, and get this, 90% of what we do. And you can see that God being very passionate about what this was going to, what the blood was going to stand for, what, what happened in Egypt, what happened with his children, what that will signify for all humanity. It's so passionate about making sure they do not forget. So God, knowing how he wired us, because he made us, says, look, I need you to do this in remembrance of me and in remembrance of what happened. Glory to God, and they're doing, they did just that. And so the storyline was never forgotten. And now we're going to be able to establish parallels from that storyline of what happened in Passover with what happened at the Last Supper. We're going to hear the text now, and we're going to hear what Jesus says, because Jesus is about to say something remarkable, and then he's going to call on us to remember and bring to remembrance what it stands for. So I'd like us to just listen as the media plays the text for today. Thank you. 
When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We see that the Lord Jesus is celebrating the Passover with his disciples. But something utterly remarkable happens. He declares himself now as the Passover meal. And then he calls on them to do the same thing in remembrance of him. In Isaiah 52, 14, it says, Just as many as were appalled at him, his appearance was disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form was marred beyond human likeness. This was Isaiah speaking of the Messiah, the Christ to come. In John 19, 34, it says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. So we can see from these two scriptures that Jesus literally became the spotless lamb of God for all of humanity. His body was literally broken and his blood was shed. John the Baptist said of him when he was approaching him, he said, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Glory to God. We see Jesus then crucified and it's almost like just like for the Israeli families where a lamb had to be taken for each family, God himself brings his son as the lamb without spot or blemish for his family, each and every one of us, to keep us preserved, saved, and reunited to him, and freed forever. And on that cross, humanity was saved. On that cross, the, the, the horrible divide between God and mankind was broken forever. The power of sin was ended forever. God's plan was completed. Hallelujah. You know, as we gather together in our homes and we come around the table, I like to encourage us to respond to that call to remembrance, to do this, to break bread, and drink wine and remember what they stood for. Do you remember what that sacrifice was about? What was done for you? With an expectancy to experience a freshness of what that stood for. Glory to God. And so I, I want to bring to light three things that we can recall when we're breaking bread. And you can do this as often as you, you want. You know, the, in the early church, they used to break bread daily. The first thing I'd like us to recall as we break bread with family and friends this season is that we can remember that because of what Jesus did, there is now a restoration of friendship with God. There is a restoration of friendship with God. You know, for the Israelites at that time, when the blood was put on that door, it meant for them deliverance from death and freedom from captivity. 
But you know, the scriptures now makes it clear to us that death is not just the absence of physical life, but true death is actually a separation from God. And that's not what he wants. That was not his idea. Because we were supposed to be family. That's the original plan. And guess what? Because of the blood of the cross, we can come boldly to his throne room, just like father and son, father and daughter, freely without the sense of shame, guilt, or condemnation because of our faith in Christ. And there's nothing off limits. You can approach him with anything. And he looks forward to hearing from you. Wow, Ephesians 3.12 says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. Glory to God. And you know, just talking about friendship with God and relationship, I, I, I recall recently I lost my watch. <laughs> and it was a watch that was a gift my husband bought for me and it cost a lot, so I didn't tell him that I lost it. I just thought I'll just bump into it someday and start wearing it again. <laughs> but, Week, and week, week after week passed, and I, I didn't know where it was. But, you know, I was just really enjoying my relationship with the Father. I used to wake up in the morning, just go to my garage and talk to him. And I was like, Lord, you know, I've been studying about the name of Jesus, the power and the potency of the name of your son. I've seen people do amazing things with, with the name, raising the dead and all of that. Can we just find my watch today? <laughs> so I said, you know, John 16, 23 says, um, you can ask me for anything in the name of Jesus and I'll do it. So I said, Father God, right now, I just ask you to please show me my watch today in Jesus' name. Amen. And I left the room. And then at the end of the day in the evening, I'm in my room and I'm walking across my room and I can almost feel like a presence just stop me and turn my head towards the left side. And I just see far out in the corner, somewhere beside my bed and my bedside table, and I just see right there, hidden away, my son's watch, Fijilua's watch. And I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I, I'm like, thank you, Lord. It's uh, great. We found this one. I, 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 I didn't even know I was looking for it. And then I just hear, and I, said, I said, Lord, what about mine? And then he said, and I heard that in my heart. He said, one down and one to go. And I thought, whoa, that's so cool. And I said, okay. And I woke up the next morning getting ready for my day. And then I just, I'm um, thinking, what do I wear? I haven't worn that pair of denim trousers in a while. I think I'll pick that one up. And I picked it up and I'm just trying to put it on. And I just feel somewhere in the, on the left side, my own watch. Yes. And I'm so glad. And I, for me, I actually broke down in tears because I, I was just, I, I was overwhelmed by the fact that he cared about the little things, like your missing watch. And he would go the extra amount to show me and all of that. And I just thought, dear God, you care so much about everything that concerns us, the big and the small. There's nothing off limits. We can come to him with anything and everything. And he hears, he listens, because you are his child. And I just pray that this season we will recognize and experience so much more of his, of his fatherhood, of his friendship, and of his love in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the second thing that was established on that cross for us was that we, we, we can remember that we have now received a restoration of identity. A restoration of identity. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him... That's speaking about Jesus, God speaking about um, Jesus. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us on that cross, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So when Jesus went on that cross, Jesus became sin. 
He took on the form of sin. He became everything wrong about you and I. He took on all our imperfections, all our inadequacies, all our shame and guilt, whatever it was that was wrong with us. He took that. He, he became that on that cross. And then he gave us his status of approval, acceptance, justification, righteousness. He gave you the right to think well of yourself. He gave you the right to look up with your head held up high because he loves you. Glory to God because he gave us his life, and this was a gift, unearned and undeserved and eternal. You know, in my life, I, understanding this truth completely revolutionized how I thought about myself and how I spoke about myself because I grew up with a sense of poor self-esteem and a poor self-image, and I always, I always felt good about myself more when I did something great or someone said something about me that was great, so I found validation in my works or what people said about me until I was set free, knowing that I didn't need to live up to anything, that he loved me just the way I am, and he puts a stamp of approval and says, yes, that's my my girl, and yes, that's my son, and, and it's eternal, always a gift just because he loved me. Glory to God. My prayer for all of us this season is that we will all recognize how loved and valuable we are to him, how precious and dear to his heart we are to him. The Bible says he engraves us in his palms. He calls us his masterpiece, created in Christ to do great things. God has got great plans for you and good thoughts for you and I. And I pray that we will all know more and more of what he says about us. And every wrong negative label will drop off from our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. And finally, the third thing that we can recall when we share communion together, when we break bread and we drink wine, when we think about what Jesus did, is that there is now a restoration of power for us today. Isaiah 53, 4 to 5 says, and this is Isaiah speaking again of the Christ to come. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and he has carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But no, he was wounded for our transgressions and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement or the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So Jesus bought peace for us. We have a right to be at peace. We have a right to expect to be whole. We have a right to expect to be strong. We have a right to expect to live free from the effects of sin. No more guilt, no shame, no fear, no condemnation anymore because of what he paid for. 13 years ago, I suffered from a severe mental health breakdown and I had to be admitted to a mental health facility because I was going through severe depression with psychotic features, delusions and hallucinations, hearing voices and seeing things, filled with extreme panic, fear and anxiety, suicidal thoughts and all that. And in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the darkness, wanting to try to take over my mind, in the midst of the enemy telling me that there was no more for me and, I, and you know, my life was coming to an end, Amongst many words that the Spirit of God will rise up, raise up in my heart and bring to my remembrance. I remembered Isaiah 53, he says the chastisement, the punishment that brought me peace was upon him. And as I remembered those words, I begin to proclaim that Jesus paid for me. I was bought with the price of the blood of Jesus. He paid for my peace and peace I will have in the name of Jesus. And glory to God, it's been 13 years plus now. I've never been there completely set free, never going back, and God has got great plans for me. And I believe that for everyone seated here, 
and everyone who's listening to the sound of my voice, Jesus died for every one of us. For the Bible says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How will he not freely give us all things? So today I believe that we will all experience freedom in every area of our lives, just the way God wants it to be in the name of Jesus. And so we're going to share communion together right now. You know, but I, I recognize that maybe someone listening to the sound of my voice and you haven't come to know God. You haven't, you, you haven't come into friendship yet. I, I just want to give you good news. You know, God knows you. He calls you by name. He formed you in your mother's womb. He's been waiting for you. He's been setting up times and seasons to ensure that you get to hear this message right now because he wants to love on you. And so uh, if you want to come into friendship and relationship with Father God, I'd like you to just say this prayer with me. Dear God, today I recognize that you love me so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. I believe that you raised him up from the dead for me. And I welcome you into my heart today. And I make you my Lord and my King. Thank you for bringing me into friendship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, we're going to share communion together now, but I actually just pray a prayer. I, I want to ask you to just speak to Father God and just say to him, Lord, is there any wrong label, any negative label, any lie, anything I've taken on as my identity? Can you show me what that is and then show me who you call me? Show me your name for me. Show me how much you value me, how much you love me. If we can just pray that prayer together. Just ask God to show you how much he cares about you. Glory to God. Thank you, Father God, for just revealing to us how much you care. Just showing us what has happened on that cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'd like you to take your communion elements, the bread and the wine, and we're going to take that together. But I'd like you to take the bread first. You know, the Bible says that by his stripes we are healed. So his body was broken so we can be well. You know, there are lots of people who have taken the communion and are set free, set free from cancer and dementia and all sorts of ailments because this is true. This is truth and this is for you and for me. So right now, as you just take the bread, and I'd just like you to say to Jesus, Jesus, your body was broken for me. You know, I'm just gonna take mine now. I'm gonna do it together. Your body was broken for me so that I can be made whole. And if you've got a broken heart or your mind is in chaos, yes, he took, he, he had a crown of thorns in his head so that you wouldn't have thorns in your thoughts. So you're gonna take the bread and you're saying, Jesus, I receive wholeness because you paid for me. So I just want you to declare that and just take the bread now in Jesus' name. And now you can take the, the wine, the blood that was shed for us, the blood that set us free forever, eternally. Glory to God. And we're going to take that and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And just say, Father, thank you. Just say to God, we love you. Thank you for all you've done. And let us take the wine in Jesus' name.
know, I'm just going to encourage us all to keep doing this often. You can take bread, take a cracker, take juice, whatever, and recall and just do it. Just do it. For, for anyone here, anyone who's been given a diagnosis of, of something that is beyond you and you're overwhelmed, you don't know what else to do, I want you to do this at home. As I prayed, I, I had a, a leading to just let that person know, especially if you've got a diagnosis of cancer and medically there's no cure. At home every day, just, just when you're feeling overwhelmed, just do it. And just proclaim that what Jesus did for you. And I believe that we're going to see miracles. We're going to see freedom in the name of Jesus. You know, as a church, I'd like us to rise up. We're going to just, you know, just say a prayer for each other right now. Before we go into worship. The Bible says, pray for one another that you may be healed. So just thinking about the person right beside you, you don't know what anyone's going through. I want us to just begin to lift up our voices and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for my brother and my sister. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross for us as the body of Christ. And thank you for everyone who's come into the body today. Thank you. We are living in victory in the name of Jesus. Going forward, we know who we are. We know who we are as loved sons and daughters of God in the name of Jesus. For anyone who's weak here, you feel overwhelmed, you feel like you can't go on. I say to you, God loves you. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He's for you always and at all times. You can lift your head up high knowing that God is on your side. In the name of Jesus, amen, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We appreciate you. We love you. We're grateful to you. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. We can now continue worship.